So we're going to read um, 1 Corinthians um, chapter 2, verses 6 through 16 um, for you this morning. So please turn with us. Yet among the mature, we do not impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, What no eye has heard, nor ear nor the height of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the trivial, sorry, wrong page, sorry. The natural person does not accept the things of the spirit of God, for they are folly to him and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Please pray with me. Abba, Thank you for being a good, good father. Thank you for being someone who we can trust. Thank you for protecting us. Thank you for guiding us. Father, I ask today that you would use the Holy Spirit to renew our weary hearts, to reveal truth to us in only a way that the Holy Spirit can. God, I ask that today Tommy would encounter Jesus as he preaches to us, and that we would be hearers of the word of God. And then we would take what we hear, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, become doers of the word. God, I ask for the kids today that you would help to give them an extra amount of focus, and that you would also use the Holy Spirit to soften their hearts, draw them to you, God. May they come to know you through the preaching today. God, and I ask for the volunteers downstairs that are with the other children. God, would you give them wisdom? Wisdom to know how to deal with each individual heart. Would you give them an extra measure of grace and patience and love to deal with the children today, God? Thank you for them. Thank you for this church. Thank you for our, our family. Thank you for dying for us so that we can have hope. And thank you for leaving the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Mike. Take care. 
right, good morning, Mercy House. How are we doing this morning? Well, I want to welcome you to a very, very special Sunday. Uh, for those of you who don't know or haven't heard or haven't kind of picked up on it, this is Family Worship Sunday. And uh, if you look around, or maybe if you're just listening, actually, they're being pretty quiet right now. I'm, I'm a little surprised. I think that prayer already worked, uh, that they are focusing in right now. Um, we have some of our very own little kids from Mercy House Kids downstairs joining us in this service this morning. So here at Mercy House, we are a household of faith being built by the mercy of God. And so as a household, this includes people from all walks and seasons of life. This is going to include people from all over the world, and it's going to be representative of a lot of different ages as well. And so normally, a lot of these little ones are downstairs on Sunday mornings, and it's not just fun and games down there. Like, they're not just playing games. V, our Mercy House Kids coordinator, works really, really hard, uh, really just to have a gospel-centered approach to everything that happens downstairs, from the teaching to the songs that they sing, and of course, some of the fun and games as well. So our heart for what happens downstairs is to disciple our children and to sow those seeds of faith in Jesus early and to pray for them, that they would know God's love for them. It's honestly not a lot different from what's happening up here as well. And so I want to kind of encourage you by communicating what is the purpose of Family Worship Sunday, uh, which we're going to be planning on having each third Sunday of the month as we move forward. And so it really has two purposes. One is really to remind us as adults that these little ones, like they're significant members of our church. So these aren't just the little rascals that are loud and sometimes obnoxious and they're inconvenient. So we're going to set them in the basement while we do kind of some adult stuff up here where they're out of earshot and out of eyesight. They're actually our children, not just to the parents, but to our church as a whole. And we love them. We want to invest in them. We want to build them up. So hopefully this is a reminder to that. And two, it's to demonstrate to our children what it means to be a part of the church family, to give them a glimpse of what we are doing every Sunday up here, to give them an appetite for the preaching and the teaching of God's word, and then to participate in the joyful celebration in worship for what God has done for each of us. And so to the adults in the room right now, you are the role models this morning. These little ones are going to be watching you, watching you and seeing how you engage and how you respond with some of the things that are happening this morning. And honestly, I think we could be a little stiff as a church if we're going to be transparent. During the worship, there's a, you know, we start softening up after like the second and third song, but like that first song, everyone's very stiff. So I hope that having the children down here with us, even dancing in the back, I'm not expecting you to all grab scarves. You can if you want. There's a lot back there. But we want you to be able to, yeah, enjoy worship, maybe in the way that a child would do that. And so because this is Family Worship Sunday, the teaching time is going to look a little bit different. The first thing I want to do is I want to invite all of the little ones up front right now. Come on down, all of them, every single one of you. We're going to come. Yeah. I'm going to take a seat right here. All right, come on down, have a seat. Six feet away from me in a semicircle. Yeah. Have a seat, yeah. Look at you guys, looking good. These are the little ones. Were you guys cold this morning? No. no. I was really cold this morning. Maybe I'm the baby. Well, I want to ask you guys a question. Oh, we got a few more. And parents can come down here too. Take a seat. Who is the smartest person that you know? Sammy, go. You, who? My friend, Archie. Archie. Your friend Archie, the smartest person you know. Anyone else? Chloe? 
Your friend Isaac. Wow, all right. Archie and Isaac. Anyone else? Smartest person you know. Davy. You better say me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, wow. Someone in this group. Okay. Who do you think is the smartest person in the whole world? Eloise. God. God? That's a great answer. That's a really good answer. It kind of jumps right to the end of the sermon, but uh, that's all right. <laughs> well, I actually want to tell you something that not even the smartest person in the entire world can figure out. It's actually a secret. It's something that's so hidden that you have to be able to like, be told what that thing is. And this morning, I actually have two secrets for you. Two secrets for you. The first one is actually something that nobody in this room knows about except one other person, but I'm going to tell you right now. So for each of you guys, if you go back to the sound booth, there's a surprise for you. Go, go, go check it out. Yeah. And the sound booth, look, back there. Look at. But then come on back. All right, you got to come on back. Yeah, what you got? Ooh, a little dough, Play-Doh. Ooh, a ball. <laughs> All right, come on back. Let's go. Everyone gets one. Ooh, nice, Davey. Those are pretty cool. Kiddos, come on back here. I didn't picture this taking this long. I, uh... Awesome. Well, guys, listen, that was a pretty cool surprise, huh? Well, God has a surprise for each and every one of us as well, okay? He has a surprise for us, and it's, it's something that's so hidden, something that no matter how hard we try, we won't be able to figure it out on our own. I know some of you guys know this verse. There was uh, actually a song that centered around it. But the Bible says, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Do you want to know what God's secret is? You want to know what God's secret is? And the secret of God is that God loves each and every one of you so much. He wants what, Sammy? Yes, he loves each and every one of you a lot and the same amount. And he wants to be with you forever. Yes, Eloise? I already know that. I, well, some of us don't, so I'm going to say it anyway, okay? <laughs> God loves you. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with you through the really awesome times in life and the really hard times in life. He wants to love you no matter what you do. So even the times that you listen to your mommies and daddies, and even when it's really hard to do that, as well. God is never going to stop loving you guys. That's a pretty cool secret, isn't it? Yeah. And some of you know this secret already. I know Sammy and Eloise know it, right? Yeah, I know. You oh, Sammy did. Well, there you go, Sammy. Well, just because someone tells you something, it doesn't mean that you actually believe it. So when I told you the secret about the toys, I think that you believed me because you actually went back, up, back there and got the toys, right? Yeah. So there's a... You and David, yes, you did, because I told you about it beforehand. That's right. <laughs> but if you didn't believe me, then you would stay right here. Yeah, Eddie? The toys won't 
yeah, the toys weren't really cool. Well, the present that God has for us is actually really, really, really cool. And so the Bible tells us that when we hear and believe something, we get a gift, right? And that gift is a lot cooler than a bouncy ball and some Play-Doh and some cars. What is the gift that God gives us? Do you guys know? Love. Love, that is a gift, yeah. The gift that we read about this morning in the Bible is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's not a what, but a who. Yes, Eloise? That's right, yeah. So, there's a, a large river in a sea of life. You guys are studying Revelation downstairs, aren't you? <laughs> they literally are. That's awesome. Yes, Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. So a new earth, a new heaven. That's what Eloise was just talking about as well. Well, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not a thing. It's a person. It's a, he's a helper. And he comes into our life and he lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit allows us to know even more secrets. I think that's probably the coolest thing about the Holy Spirit. So these are things that not even the smartest person in the world can figure out because we have the Holy Spirit that helps us. Yeah. All right. One last thing, and I'm going to send you back to your seats, okay? This is getting out of hand in a good, in a good way. All right. Not yet, though. Focus for a second, okay? So I'm going to tell you some more secrets. I'm going to talk to your parents about some more secrets as well. The secret is not something that we keep to ourselves. We don't keep this hidden. So this is something, Eloise, this is something that we're going to go tell all of our friends, our family about. Can you think of somebody that could know the secret about God loving them? Who? Who could you tell about? Chloe. Um, friends at school. Your friends at school, yeah. Eloise. That's right. You can tell your schoolmate who doesn't know about God. Anyone else? Yeah. You. You can tell me. I need to hear it every day. Davy. You just like raising your hand, huh? Yeah. Well, maybe you can tell them this week, okay? All right, I'm going to pray for you. So let's close our eyes and bow our heads. God, thank you for being a good father. Thank you for loving our children. God, we pray as a church for these little ones that you would reveal to them just how epic and how awesome your love is for them. And we pray that they would know what you've done for them on the cross. And we pray that they, by the power of your spirit, would respond in faith. And we pray that that faith would take root really deeply inside of them early in life so that no matter what storm comes, what challenges they face, they would remain held fast in your love and that you would send them out into the world as lights into the darkness. God, help us as parents to shepherd them well. Help us as a church to disciple them well. God, we're all your children, and so we pray that you would take care of us. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, go back to your seats. All right, that was a little different, huh? Awesome. Thank you, kiddos. Let's give them a round of applause. Let's go. So for those of you who don't know, which might honestly be all of you, um, I started a marketing firm here in Amherst. And the people who I've worked with through the years, people who work there now uh, as a part of the company, uh, have all been like members of our church, which is just really awesome. They're incredibly creative, talented, hardworking, fun people to be around. 
And one of the things that we do, an exercise that we do with each client that we bring on board is that we have them explain to us what it is that they do as if we were six years old. And what we found is that people can really get caught up in some of the heady, the, the overcomplication of concepts and even the language uh, when you're like an expert in something. And we find that when we take the time to challenge them, and really it is a significant challenge for some people, to reduce and simplify what is at the heart of their business or their organization, what they're trying to do, it, it can actually be really helpful for them. It can sometimes be a sobering, encouraging experience for them. It also just makes it a lot easier for us to understand what it is that they do. And I say this because I, I think that there's another blessing to having these family Sundays uh, that are more geared toward our little ones in the service. And what it does is it, it kind of forces us to simplify a little bit some of the things that we're talking about. It gives us a chance to, to pump the brakes and to slow down on some more of those complex theological concepts, and at least to slow down and get at the heart of what's being said in God's Word. And so I've heard from numerous parents, and myself included, who have spent many a nights reading the Jesus Storybook Bible to their children, and how often we as parents have been moved, even, maybe even wept, at some of these basic theological principles that are being articulated in very simple terms with very simple images and pictures in them. And so in light of this vision to, to kind of spiritually feed our children with some bite-sized little theological yum-yums, that's what I'm going to call them, but also in light of last week's passage where Paul is consciously making this decision to, to teach and preach from a posture of, of just being incredibly simple. So he's preaching nothing but Christ and him being crucified. I'm going to walk through this text. And so the kids, if you're still in the room, I want you guys to try to listen and focus as well. And we're all going to get through this together. So as Paul continues in his letter to the church in Corinth, we see at the beginning of chapter 2, which is actually what we looked at last week, that Paul knew what the cultural framework of Corinth was. He knew that they praised wisdom. If you were smart, if you were really eloquent, you were seen as, as successful, as valuable, and as important. But Paul explains to us that this is actually really upside down from the way that it actually is. Uh, what our culture values and what we place on a pedestal all the way up here is actually, in reality, way down here on the ground. And so what Paul does is he doesn't puff up his chest. He doesn't use big words. He doesn't try to sound extra smart and wise and appear successful so that people hear him. He doesn't enter into Corinth down here and play their game down here. He preaches the simple gospel. So look at these verses, verses 1 through 5 in chapter 2. And I, this is Paul speaking, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And so wisdom of the world, wisdom of men, like that's not valuable to God. It's something that is flimsy. It is something that is shaky. And Paul doesn't want them to rest their faith in it. But the wisdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified, like that is a firm foundation that you build your faith and your life on. So that's what he's communicating there. But what we see is that wisdom isn't 
completely bad or evil. Like wisdom, as we know it, on a purely worldly level, is not the wisdom that's spoken about in the Bible, that which Paul is talking about here. See, look at how he opens up the passage for this morning. Verse 6, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So from these verses, we can learn three really important things about the wisdom of God. Number one, the wisdom of God is a secret that's hidden. It's not something that is humanly discoverable or discernible. So it's secret and it's hidden. Number two, the wisdom of God is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. This isn't a wisdom that's going to help you advance or succeed by worldly standards. It's not a wisdom that will help you gain popularity or help make money for you. Verse 8 says basically that if people were to be able to discover this secret, this hidden wisdom, then they wouldn't have killed Jesus. And so the wisdom of God is having an understanding of the gospel message, which is all about having a right understanding about Jesus, who he is, and what he came to do on this earth. And number three, the wisdom of God is given. It's, it's a hidden secret that is revealed by God. And that's what Paul is communicating as he quotes Isaiah there in verse 9. This is uh, this, this thing that no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has anyone even imagined, God has prepared for those who love him. And so the wisdom of God is the gospel. It's the simple truth that Paul put on display previously in this letter by his simple preaching, that of Christ and him being crucified. Now, this is not something that, that we discover through sheer mental will or, or that we can figure out by any human need, means whatsoever, but it's revealed to us by God as a gift, not by our own merit, not something that we can do. It is something that is revealed to us. Now, I think these three truths challenge some of the ways that we think, some of the ways we feel, and even some of the ways that we live. So as we looked at some of these little ones that sat in the front of the room with us, like, Lord willing, they have a lot of life left to live. There's a lot of worldly wisdom that, that we can give them that's going to make navigating this world a little bit more convenient and a little less disastrous. So we could tell them, hey, always buckle up your seatbelt. Look both ways when you cross the street. Don't put anything into power outlets. Don't put anything into your nose. Don't lick doorknobs. Like the list goes on with worldly wisdom that we can give them to try to equip them to get through this world. But here's what I'm trying to get at is that the greatest wisdom that they can receive is the gospel. That's the greatest thing that we can give them. Like ultimately we see in these chapters that it doesn't matter how smart these children are. doesn't matter how ambitious they are, how great their social skills are, how resilient they are, or how well-adjusted they are. It doesn't matter how well they do in school. It doesn't matter how well they do on the sports field. Paul reminds us in verse 6 that without the gospel, they, along with the, quote, wise of this age and, and the rulers of this age, are doomed to pass away. They're doomed to pass away. Parents and those who take care of children, 
Like, if we want to help set up our children for eternal success, then we train them up in the wisdom of God, which is the gospel, and we pray that God would reveal that to them. So I want to challenge you to keep, the, keep things in this eternal perspective as you think about your children, as you think about their futures. The best way to equip a child is to labor over them with the gospel and to pray that God would enable soul-saving faith. Faith that then is going to allow them to get through any challenge, any adversity, any storm that life will inevitably bring their way. So I know a lot of you know this, but we need to be reminded of this. I think before uh, we think that this might just be for our children, let's remember that this is true for each of us as well, as adults. As we strive and toil under the sun, when, when we get to the end of our lives and we meet Jesus face to face, right? Alden was preaching a few weeks ago about how Jesus is at the door. Like, this is something that we'll, we will all experience. Like, there, there's only one piece of knowledge and one piece of wisdom that's going to truly matter in that moment when we see Jesus face to face. So if we don't know Jesus, we will perish alongside the smartest, the brightest, the richest, and most successful people of this age who similarly do not know Jesus. But if we know God, if we know Jesus, if we believe the gospel, which is that Christ has died for us in our sin and has made us alive in him, if that secret has been revealed to us, if we place our faith and our trust in that secret, we'll enter into eternity with our precious friend, our risen King Jesus. As Christians, if you are a Christian, we never graduate beyond this wisdom. We never move on from the gospel. There are no higher spiritual levels that we graduate to as soon as we master Christ and him crucified. And so Paul wasn't leading the church at Corinth, and he didn't start them with gospel 101, and the next semester he'd come back and do gospel 102. And sure, there are different things to learn about what it means to be a Christian. There's discipleship 102 and prayer 205. You're going to have a lab for evangelism. And of course, like, there's more things. Like, we're reading 16 chapters in 1 Corinthians of what it means to be a follower of Christ. But everything that we learn, everything that we talk about, everything that we practice is aimed at deepening our understanding of Christ and the cross. It is the foundation of our faith. The gospel we preach downstairs to our children is the same gospel that we preach upstairs here. And that's another reason why it's important for us to begin this rhythm of having these family worship Sundays and including our children. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you uh, drink of it in remembrance of me. If you're a Christian and you've had this hidden secret of the gospel revealed to you by God and have put your faith in Christ and him crucified, we invite you to take communion with us. And our children will undoubtedly ask you, maybe even your friends who've never been to a church before will ask you, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing with that little cup there with the little juice and the bread? And so here's what you can tell them. You can say, when, when we drink this juice and we eat this cracker, we are remembering the secret that we know about Jesus. 
It helps us remember how much we need God. It reminds us to celebrate what he's done for us. And someday, and I'm talking to the little ones in the room, someday when you believe this, when you trust Jesus and what he's done, you'll be able to take communion with all of us as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for how you have shown your love to us. God, thank you that we can trust you. God, thank you that you have revealed this secret that it doesn't matter how smart we are or our ability even to like read and comprehend, but this is a, a secret wisdom that only you can reveal. And so for those in the room that haven't been revealed this, God, would you do that? Would you reveal the secret wisdom of Jesus Christ and him crucified? Lord, would that bring about deep faith in our little ones and those who don't know you? And God, I pray for those who do know you, who have had the secret revealed to them. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to celebrate that, Lord, we would know that we never move on from this gospel, God, that there's no uh, further upper room that we go to to, to, to try to know uh, deeper, more important things about you. But God, I pray that everything we learn would be able to increase our understanding of who you are, Jesus, and what it means for us to be in relationship with you. Lord, help us as we take communion this morning to reflect on these truths of the gospel. I pray that us as a church, God, as we are a family, that we would consider how to not just do church for ourselves, but learn what it means to be a part of the family, to love those in our family. And this morning, especially as we focus on our children. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.